Hello, happy Monday once again, Cougar Nation. We welcome you back inside our new home in Studio B at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah for our week five installment of the Coordinator's Corner, presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coming up on today's broadcast, we take a look back at Saturday night's home win over Wyoming, a victory that boosted BYU in one of the two major polls. Cougs up to 20th in the coaches' poll, holding even at 19th in the AP. BYU now 3-1 on the season, with Utah State coming to Provo on a short week this Thursday. On today's show, you'll be hearing from defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki and offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. And we'll start today on the defensive side of the ball with BYU's D.C and defensive tackles coach, Eli Satuiaki. Coach E, good to have you back in. Good to be back. How do you feel the guys responded to the first bounce-back opportunity of the season this past weekend? Uh, you know, I thought that there was a little bit of a slow start. Um, you know, we, we, we were missing a couple of tackles. Um, it was great to get Batty back, but, uh, you know, um, play, playing a tough opponent that we knew was going to come in and try to establish the run. They know how to win. It's, it's kind of their identity. Uh, schematics actually saw some some things that we haven't seen since the mid mid to early 90s as far as scheme which I thought was pretty cool it's uh you know in the moment you're like okay that's a problem but uh, when you're watching on film you're like that's old Nebraska ISO power it's like uh, some fun stuff when you're talking schematics but um, you know a, a couple adjustments to make some young young guys in there playing but I thought the boys uh, uh, overall when I went back and watched the film mm -hmm. um, uh, there's always going to be things to, to fix always going to be things to get better at um, but uh, pleased with some of it as well but from one week to the next in terms of some fundamental things you wanted to see cleaned up you saw that uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it was really the perimeter tackling just just needed to be better from from Oregon to this one. But um, uh, you know, some some D line play really with some of the younger guys needed to get cleaned up, and it wasn't as clean at the beginning of the game. Thought it got better towards the, as the game went on. So you hit on it. You weren't full speed coming in. You mentioned missing a couple of tackles. Uh, no Earl Tuioti Mariner. No Gabe Summers. No Caleb Hayes coming in. No Max Tooley. Uh, so you're down some guys. Then you lose Malik Moore in game. Depth continues to be tested. Yeah, yeah. I think when you're playing offenses that that have that identity, I mean, you're you're playing uh, uh, the first two ones, obviously, just the run identity, and then you're playing an Oregon that all of a sudden changes their identity, or a little bit more downhill run. And you're playing Wyoming that is a run identity team. There's, it's uh, it's going to demand for us to have a lot of players to to play. It's a physical game, um, and in order for us to win games, those guys have to play and play and play well. And you got a couple of D linemen banged up as well in the game beyond guys we talked about. Um, you did get Tyler Batty back, however. We'll highlight him a little later on in the program. What do you think his impact on the game was? Uh, I thought he played really well. Um, you know, it's a bit, big impact, obviously, with just the production that he's made. But uh, the stoutness that he plays with off the edge, just, um, <clears throat> you know, so, some of the times when the camera's not really on him, the technique that he plays with, the physical play, I mean, I thought he's, he, he played really well. Mentioned Malik Moore uh, going out as we see some more of Tyler Batty as he got back for you. Uh, without Malik, uh, Micah Harper, Micah Slay, uh, uh, Ethan Slade, and Talon Alfrey were all names we saw get some snaps yep. on uh, on Saturday night. Yep, yep. And it's it, it'll continue to be like that. If we, we've got to you know go into our depth and we've got to see uh, freshmen and young kids play or at least give us snaps. And we knew that going into the season that we'd need we'd need some young kids giving us some snaps. Um, and uh, really, when you put them in, you'd like to see those snaps just, you know, playing good sound football. And, and um, you know, I think it's in the middle of the game. There's kind of a feeling of there's, we're, we're missing something or doing something wrong. You watch the film, you're like, okay, it's, uh, 
it's part of the growing learning process. We've got we've got to be better. There's film to teach off of. There's embarrassing clips, and I know some of the players will be embarrassed about it for themselves. But that's that's how you get better. Is uh, you make mistakes, you live, you learn, you grow, and you get better. And um, you know, and thinking about up front, especially. I mean, I was watching uh, you know Bruce uh, Bruce Mitchell and Josh Larson make mistakes that. Um, I was. I felt like I was grading Kyrus year one. It mm. was like, okay, um, a wrong step for a big guy like that just gives up about a yard or two in spacing, and it's just um, you start to get those guys kind of see it on film, understand it, feel embarrassed about it, uh, you know, determined to fix it, which I know those guys will be, and uh, then you start to get just a better player in the future. Let's get to the game itself, and here's what jumps out to me. Wyoming rushed for 69 yards in the first quarter, then 55 yards the rest of the game quarters two, three, and four. What did you maybe have to deal with early that took you a bit, and then how did you adjust to control the Cowboys' run game as the game went on? Uh, yeah, the, you know, they, they came in and they ran some schemes that we hadn't seen before. Like you so, said mid, you called it mid-90s Nebraska there a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I mean, if you're a, if you're a, a, a scheme and, a, and you geek out on some of that stuff, it's, it's – uh, we, and we did. You know, some of the coaches were like, hey, that's uh, – you know, but, but the coach that, that's been there, I mean, he's uh, – exactly what he, what he brought was brought some of that old-school – uh, downhill type football and I thought that that was really fun to see uh, from a scheme standpoint but we weren't ready for it and so some of the schemes that we had coming in um, you know were just uh, a, a, a little bit different built for a little bit different stuff and then just some of the assignments uh, busts that we had up front ended up making it look look worse than it really was but I think once we settled in and and settled in on the schemes that we said we decided we wanted to there are a couple of blitzes that we just crossed off the list and said okay that's no longer good and let's stick to these it was uh, Felt like it was a little bit better. Yeah, six yards per carry in the first quarter, as you saw on the graphic, then under three yards per carry uh, the rest of the way. They did open the scoring in this game, and it was kind of a back and forth first half uh, for BYU and YO. Uh, second straight week, though, uh, you defend only four possessions in the first half, so a lower paced game. They had a game plan, clearly uh, get a lead. Uh, run the ball, control the clock, and, and they were doing a lot of what they wanted to in the first half yeah, that absolutely. way. Absolutely. That's that's how, I mean, we talked about it uh, before, you know, last week. It was, the, these this his head coach knows how to win football games, and he was going to be okay winning 6-3 to three if they could. Um, I mean, they beat a really good Air Force uh, team before that, and, you know, I, I made the comment in 2020 just about how UTSA, you put UCLA's uniform on those guys, and you'd have thought that it was UCLA, right? I mm. thought UTSA was that good. And then the next year, they went on a, on a roll, won the conference, and they won 10 or 11 games. And so, you know, a lot of times, I, and I'm talking to my family, when they're all just kind of like, hey, we should have beat these guys by this much or this much. And I'm like, no, you guys follow logos, right? You follow the logo that's probably the most, uh, that, that gets the most airtime or just ESPN talks about. Some of these logos that are a little bit smaller, and I know we were talking before the show started, Weaver State's defense, because we were watching them against Utah State, mm -hmm. played really well. And they've got DBs that I think can play here. I think they've got D linemen that can play. And, and so you take away the logo, you're just trying to defend defend a, a team and, and, uh, and play good sound football. And I thought there's definitely area for improvement but uh, definitely some, some bright spots, too, because I thought that it was a really tough, tough Wyoming team that we played, and I wouldn't be surprised if they win the conference. Okay, so, so you've got a good frame of reference now through four games. You're a third of the season in. You, you've played two high-level P5s. Uh, you played a, a G5 that's kind of struggling and rebuilding in USF, and you played a G5 that could win a league in, in Wyoming. So you've played four teams with different logos, 
you've been through it now. You've lost enough guys physically to know that every game's been a physical challenge for you. What does it say about college football in general right now based on the schedule you've played to this point? Yeah, it's, it's anybody can beat anybody on any, any given week, right? Um, Kansas State beats Oklahoma this last weekend. The week before that, Tulane beats Kansas State, right? And then you look at uh, a Miami team that's supposed to be really good, and they are really good, and they come in and Middle Tennessee thumps them. Yeah. Middle Tennessee got thumped by uh, um, there was a James Madison, right? Week one. So it's just the uh, there's there's a lot more going on. There's really uh, for us what we can control is let's let's play good sound football. Let's get our younger kids to play better. And uh, let's make sure that we come in with a scheme and make the adjustments that we need to every single game. I know every single game, there's been an adjustment. It's it's that uh, that that's the name of the game. It's what's the what's the what's the the personality of the game? What's the offense trying to do differently that we didn't see on film? How are we going to make the adjustments? How are we going to play? And can can our can our players get it and understand it and play better? And so, um, you know, South Florida goes down to Florida and should have beat it, yeah. right? And so it's like, um, you know, you take away the logos. We just need to play good football, and we can win a lot of games. But we can also, on any given week, lose a game. And so we've got to be sound. Craig Bowl on the adjustments point said that BYU was the team that made the better adjustments, he thought, as the game went along. And as a result, BYU wins this game. Dipping back into the game for a minute, uh, just before halftime, that was a big shot in the arm for BYU. Um, the TD, the offense scored to take a lead. Uh, felt like the Baylor game that way. It's, it's a grinder of a first half, but you score right before the break, get on top, and I thought it was a big momentum shift. Oh, it definitely was. I mean, the, the, when our offense can, can do that, and it, you know, we've lost every, every coin flip. We're, we're normally used to um, you know, being on defense first, uh, ending with the ball before, before halftime, coming out and getting the ball back. But um, this, this whole year we've had to uh, – every team's basically yeah. deferred, and it's defense back up in the second half. And so – um, we, we've got to be better, and I thought that we were this game, at least coming out and just uh, uh, you know getting a stop and getting the ball back for our offense in the second half. And BYU did take a lead at the break over the Cowboys on that all to cost per catch. All right, time for a short break and a reminder that BYU football with Kalani Sitake airs tomorrow night and every Tuesday night, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Time on the BYU TV app. We have a live studio audience. You can go to the seat request link on my Twitter feed today, and then we'll get you across the hall in Studio C tomorrow night. Coming up after the break, how BYU turned a 14-10 halftime lead into a 38-24 triumph. We'll get players of the week as well. Coordinator score continues with Coach E. Brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Stay with us. The line to gain the 22. Wyoming from its 18-yard line. Peasley in an empty backfield. The swing pass to the right side. Found him on a double throw and a loss on the play as going down as Ryan Marcus. BYU now 3-1 on the season after a 38-24 home win over Wyoming on Saturday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Ninth straight win over Wyoming and 10th consecutive home victory against the former conference rivals, BYU home to Utah State, in just, well, three nights from now. Uh, coordinator's Corner continues with defensive coordinator and D-tackles coach Eli Satuiaki. Coach E's D holding Wyoming to fewer than 300 yards on Saturday night. That's a good number. Good number. Um... Too many points. That's that's what we came. Twenty-four to. doesn't match three hundred. Match two eighty or whatever it was, yeah, does it? Yeah. You'd like to see a couple more takeaways, and you'd like to see fewer points. And I and I thought you know the 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 penalty, 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 um, and just kind of got us rattled a little bit. Um, you know where we end up giving a touchdown, and then we just got to be better on that two-minute drive. There were just opportunities for us to to get takeaways that we didn't we didn't take advantage of when the quarterback just putting the ball up and. Um, you know, we should have came, came up with a takeaway on that drive as well. Now, Wyoming was under five yards a play, under four yards a rush, and a team that's big into ball control, BYU had more possession time on the night. 
Points matter most. We, you know, 24 is a workable number, maybe more than you wanted, but all the other surrounding stats were, were excellent, I thought. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's why we uh, came away feeling like 24 points was too much, but yeah. um, I, thought, I thought that the adjustments and the way that they played, especially in the second half, um, the boys, boys played well and did a good job. Wyoming was 3 for 11 on third downs, 0 for 1 on fourth, so great job at ending drives. Uh, Sitake era BYU, so under Kalani, you're, under, you're now 35 and 11 uh, when you allow under 40% on third downs defensively. Third down a number you focus a great deal on in terms of one of those parentheticals that should tell the story of the game? Yeah, it's, it's become, as we've, as we've thought about it, talked about it in the offseason as a staff, it's become something that's uh, um, been a focus and, you know, we could probably have a long conversation about this another time, but just um, you know the, how you're playing first and second down, and, and how you're getting a third down, and what number you're looking for in third down, in order for you to have the success rate that you're, you're trying to get. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot that goes into that thought process, along with just the, what calls you'd like to call and what not to call, and what you're crossing off uh, your call sheet in the you know, in the first couple of drives, and what you feel like you can do. I mean, there's there's a lot to that, but uh, in answer to your question, yes, it's. You know, third downs, it's, uh, I think we talked about it at one point uh, going into the season. If we can play a third down for every first down we face, all we need is one, one third down stop and we're out of drives. And so um, getting to that point, too, is really important for us on first and second down. I was going to go back to that point. Now, we're, we're discounting the first downs that start series. We're talking about earned first downs. I think you defended 11 third downs. Wyoming earned 22 first downs. So you want to be closer to one-to-one -one if you possibly can, which you were in that USF game that we talked yeah, about yeah, earlier in the yeah, year, right? Absolutely. Yep. If we can do that, then then we can get off the field and get, get the ball back for our offense, whether it's a takeaway or, uh, or just a stop and a punt. Okay, let's get back into the game a bit. It was 14-10 uh, to 10 at halftime. Uh, first three, you, you hit on this, because BYU's been losing all these coin tosses, teams have been deferring. You get the first offensive possession in the first half, but in the second half you're defending to start every second half. First three opponents this year, USF, Baylor, and Oregon, they'd all scored touchdowns on their first possessions of the second half. Wyoming gets the ball to open the second half, but they punt give the offense the ball, offense scores a TD, and now it's a two-score game the rest of the way. That start of the second half, well, end of the first start of the second was kind of the uh, uh, where it swung. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's, that's got to be huge for us if we're ever in that situation, if we can get the possession, last possession of the first half, and then also get a stop. If we ever back up on defense, get a stop, um, and get the ball back, it'll, it'll kind of put us back into the momentum that we'd like to be in. So the middle eight belonged to BYU this week. Middle eight belonged to Oregon the week before. Uh, one of the storylines from the loss in Eugene and the win in Provo. Uh, only two defensive three and outs for you on Saturday night, but they came in the fourth quarter when Wyoming was trying to kind of stay in the game. Your defense came up big at those moments where they could, you know, not really generate the true comeback effort they needed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And anytime you get three and outs, it's great for rest. It's, it's great for the offense to keep their, keep their momentum and their tempo and just, uh, you know, trying to, trying to uh, do what they're doing on offense and uh, huge for us. Okay, two takeaways through four games. You want more, but on the flip side, I mean, the offense has given it up one time. I mean, one giveaway in four games is exemplary football. You've had three giveaway free games on offense. You want more on D, but the offense is doing everything they have to do to make sure that margin stays in a good place. Yeah, that's, I think that's part of the reason why we're, uh, why we're winning, it's, uh, especially through these close games against Baylor and, uh, you know, and, and in the future. If you're, if you're in a close game, it's, it's going to come down to those possessions, and we've got to – We've obviously got to got to take take the ball away more on defense. There's there's opportunities for us, and we're missing out on those right now. Have you seen some some turnover worthy plays that you should have, you feel you should have had uh, give uh, takeaways yes, on? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we feel like they're 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 there, and 
and uh, we, we've got to get the ball back, you know, for our offense. But our offense is doing a phenomenal job keeping the ball and, and keeping us in those games. But I think that's um, complimentary football at its best. It's, uh, it's the way the offense is playing, taking care of it. And uh, really, we have to do better on defense. The offense is doing their, their part. We've got to do ours. It's rare in college football that you see a game with no takeaways from either team, but you've already had two of those. The Baylor game and now the Wyoming game were zeros on both on both sides. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're looking at two head coaches on both sides that that matters to them, right? You, you've got uh, head coaches that want to control the clock, want to control the, the the possessions. They they know how to not lose games, and um, you know, and they know how to win games. And so, when you're facing those types of head coaches and those type of teams. Um, the, the opportunity to take away is, is it's, there's not as many there, but uh, we've got we've to find ways to take them away. Looking ahead, we'll get to Utah State in the next segment. Are, are some offenses, um, do, they give you more, do you expect to have more opportunity against a team like Utah State because of how they're struggling right now? Yeah, I, I think it's not, not just because of the way they're struggling. Their offense is... is uh, how it's schemed? Their, their, their scheme is wide open. You know, um, majority of takeaways happen in interceptions and sack fumbles instead of, instead of uh, just you know straight fumbles from running backs or punt returners. Or, and so um, the the statistics say that they're gonna that, that style of offense is gonna turn the ball over more. And they they threw uh, five picks against UNLV. You know, and I know they're gonna want to take those away, but also you take those picks away from them and they're being a little bit more efficient. They actually are moving the ball pretty well against UNLV. And so. Um, I think that there's a happy medium that every head coach has to look at the risk assessment and figure out um, do we want to stay on pace with what we're doing here, just just eliminate the takeaways, and now we're an explosive offense, or do we want to throw the ball less? And so that's uh, you know we, we got to pay attention to what they're doing there. But um, you know certain styles of offenses when you're when you're running the ball and taking care of the football and um, winning close games, you're you're not going to have very many opportunities to take the ball away. Let's get back into the Wyoming game for a couple last things. Uh, there were some timeouts taken on procedural issues on Saturday night. Uh, one timeout I remember came early in the game. It was on defense. Um, and I, I, there were a lot of guys in and out. I think he may have ended up with 10. Um, is that an early game thing, do you think? Uh, more of an early game feature? Uh, no, I, I, it's, it's really what Wyoming does. I mean, they, they, they have so many different personnel groupings. Uh, we felt like it was important for us to go in matching their personnel groupings. Uh, Two backs, two tight ends versus three tight ends and one back versus, you know, um, uh, two two tight ends and a back. I mean, it's just so many different personnel groupings that they use. They they go at a certain pace. Um, it took us a second to just kind of, um, you know, get get the get who what's what signals meant what who was playing what and so we actually started playing one of their 21 personnel groupings like we were playing a 13 personnel grouping, mm -hmm. which is, you know, that's, that's one of the things that you start to just kind of change in the middle of the game. But um, we felt like it was important for us to make sure that we matched up. We didn't want to get to the point where we were playing, um, you know, our, our DNs versus some of their, their three tight end sets. We, we wanted D tackles in there and felt like it was going to be better for us. And so I think when, when you saw us early in the game, mm -hmm. and really the whole game, just kind of like, the swapping and, and uh, these guys in, these guys out. It was it was more for personnel matchups. Uh, more on the war of attrition. We we talked about all the names at the start of the show, guys who are in and out. It's a nice win that way because guys are really grinding. You're trying to just keep enough healthy bodies on the field with the packages you want. Uh, it's been a tough first four games, and, and and there is that war of attrition component in college football these days that you're dealing with. Oh, for sure. It's uh, our, our our players are battling. They're battling hard, and they're playing to win. Um, you know, and, and we're, we're happy with where we're at right now, right? And obviously you'd like to be undefeated, but to be sitting where we're at with our record, 
um, and the guys that are still healthy and, and the games that are ahead of us, we're, we're happy with where we're at. We're hoping to try to get some guys back from injury, but it'll, it'll be like that the whole year. We've, you know, this, this game is a complete different animal than it was from last game. And after that, it'll be a complete different animal going back into that two-game stretch with uh, Notre Dame and Arkansas. Let's identify your defensive players of the week from the Wyoming game now. And it was in the front seven that we find uh, the two defensive uh, POWs this week. Yeah, uh, you know Tyler Batty and Keenan Peely both played really well. And I, I, we actually chose those guys um, from the way that they played. Didn't even look at the statistics. They were just um, played with great technique, played with great awareness, did a really good job with just uh, what we asked them to do. And Coach Ed Lamb gave us his special teams players of the week. We'll take a look at those right now. We see our top blocks and top rocks along with the MVP. And we saw the, the leg of Ryan Rico again. We saw a, a real thumper from Ryan at an important time of the game. Uh, and uh, that's that's what he can do for sure. Any, any thoughts on these guys from Coach Lamb? Oh, just uh, it, It's always great to see uh, new names, just new faces, guys that are contributing in, in different ways that they can. And you're seeing some of the guys that have been consistent just through time. But uh, having Tanner Wall and Michael Harper show up is a huge. Keanu Hill is a yeah. To see Keanu Hill on that list, knowing the kind of name he had on a kind of game he had on offense that oh, night yeah. too. Oh yeah, the kind of game that he had on offense. But Keanu's been been awesome on special teams even last year, right? And that's I think that's probably where he made his made his hay last year. Was he just so many different special teams plays? But now that the way that he's playing on offense and the effort that he still gives on on uh, special teams is huge. All right, time for a break. And as we take this timeout, a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh, American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and Harriman. This weekend, 19th and 20th ranked BYU, home to Utah State on a short week Thursday night. Tune in for Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio. It'll be 6 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Mountain Time this Thursday. Coming up next, more with defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. The coordinator's corner continues. After this, we are brought to you as always by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with Coach E after this. Now 28-17, BYU gives the ball back with 12.30 to play in the fourth. And there's a, there's yeah, a Rico there rocket. That's a boomer. Get down That's going to bounce it, inside the 10 and be settled at the 6-5 yard line. There's the Ryan Rico that we saw the last couple seasons. Massive punt, and Wyoming is backed well up. All right, you are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, visiting with BYU defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki. BYU bouncing back from its loss at Oregon to defeat Wyoming 38-24 on Saturday night before the more than 60,000 fans at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. 3-1 BYU home to 1-3 Utah State this Thursday night. BYU's won four of the last six meetings with the Aggies. It's funny, we've talked so much about Wyoming, uh, and yet here you are 72 hours away from Utah State. Like, it's coming quick. That last game is so far in the rear view, and it's a short week. What's your what's your short week uh, kind of to do list look like, and how does it change from regular? Yeah, we, we had to get on the on the game plan. <clears throat> Obviously, we've uh, we've got uh, coaches that look ahead just uh, so that we're ready to have a little bit more of a discussion as soon as we come together. And and uh, it's, it's actually Coach Lamb. He does a really good job of just coming in and giving us a synopsis, and we make decisions. And and uh, we actually. Um, sent out game plans to the players last night and you know kind of a video game plan each coach talking to his position coach just just of what uh here's the plan we just be ready for this and as they're watching film on their own they can kind of put a call to every play and just uh and play ball 
So what does a Monday practice look like on a short week like like, like this week? Yeah, mo- Monday is going to be like a Tuesday practice, um, but actually a little bit shorter. We normally go about tw- uh, 20 periods, 25-minute periods on a, on a Tuesday, but um, at this point it's it's 18, 18 periods and, and then uh, moving forward. Offense is a little bit different from defense and the way that we practice and the way we prepare, and so we might have a, our Wednesdays a little bit different from the offense just, just because the offense and defense is obviously different. And then, uh, you know, Wednesday's, Wednesday's basically the game, day before the game, and we're rolling. Okay, um, some thoughts about Utah State at one and three. Um, struggling to generate uh, consistency, I think, on offense, but uh, turnovers are a big part of that right now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you're, if you're watching them uh, from their point of view, I think you say you eliminate turnovers and you're actually playing some pretty good ball. And uh, they're were, they were moving the ball pretty well against UNLV, I thought, and did a good job. And, um, you know, I was watching one of the interviews from, uh, uh, from, their, from their head coach just about the Weaver game and felt like they probably didn't play as hard as they, they need to. And again, going back to just eliminating the logo and playing good football, right? Sometimes you get into pretentious thoughts just about who you're playing and how much you should win by and all that. And um, I think that the way to go about it is to be humble and just be ready to play a good team that's that's showing up to, to play good football and we've got to come over with some wins. It's your first in-state test of the year as well. Those games always have a special feel to them. For sure. And I've, I coached at Utah State for three years. I know what that game means to those players and those coaches and that community. And and uh, we're, we're going to get their best shot. And you know we've got to make sure that we're we're playing at a really high level, um, uh, coming against an offense that's really dangerous. Look forward to it Thursday night. Uh, Coach E, thanks for coming in as always. Have a great uh, short week of work, and best of luck against the Aggies. Thank you. All right, that's Coach Eli Satuiaki. Get expanded pregame coverage of BYU's Thursday game with Utah State on BYU Sports Nation game day starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time Thursday night. Coming up next, we'll hear from BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick. This is the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Coach A-Rod is coming up next. You are in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. BYU 3-1, ranked 19th and 20th in the AP and Coaches polls after a 38-24 home win over Wyoming on Saturday night. BYU's 12th straight night win and 13th consecutive home win at night. This week, it's another night game. Cougs home to Utah State this Thursday evening. We begin the back half of today's show with BYU's offensive coordinator and QB coach, Aaron Roderick. Coach Roderick, welcome back in. Good to be here. And congrats on a nice bounce back. First bounce back opportunity. You want to have too many bounce backs, yeah. but you had your first one and uh, responded well. Yeah, it felt good to, to play well and, and get a win. You know, we, I thought um, zero turnovers, uh, six yards of carry, and 10 yards per pass attempt almost never will. It's almost impossible to lose if you put up, you know, that kind of efficiency, and that's what we want to keep doing. And scoring in the 30s has been an almost unbeatable number for BYU as well since Kalani's been here and you got to 38. Yeah, and um, one thing that we really needed to do better in this game was just finish in the red zone. And I, you know, we got four touchdowns and, and a field goal in our five trips and um, would like to have had five touchdowns, but it's good to get those. Yeah, nine for 13 in the red zone coming into the game and then a perfect five for five night on Saturday. Yeah, and that's been, we've been a really good red zone team the last couple of years. And, Great red zone and, team. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. You know, we've been up there and um, got off to a slower start than we would have liked early this season, but there's still a lot of football left. We'll, we'll climb back up. 
It, it was not a week last week without some difficulty. Uh, you lose one of your top pass game options who leaves the team. Uh, then you're still trying to get your top two wideouts back and playing at the same time. And you're prepping for a Wyoming defense that had just shut down Air Force, basically. There was a lot going on last week to, to think about going into the contest. Yes, and it started with the fact that Wyoming's a very good defense. They, they're, those guys play hard. They're very well coached. And um, so they, they presented a lot of challenges with their scheme and just how hard they play. And then, the, you know, the injuries thing, we just, you know, our team doesn't flinch. We just, whoever's next man up uh, is, and our coaching staff, we just put the plan together and play with whoever's available. And, and uh, we're not going to waste any time wondering what, you know, and feeling sorry for ourselves about who's available. What did you think you could do well against Wyoming going in? We thought we could throw the ball down the field. And I mean, we, we feel like we can do that on anybody, but um, we really we thought we had an advantage there. Probably, if I had any regret in the game, it was just that I waited till the third series to really test them down the field. Should have should have maybe tested them a little earlier. Although they did drop eight early, uh, the first play of the game. So you know, I think they did that maybe knowing that we like to go down the field early in the games. But um, yeah, that's that's one area we really thought we didn't, had an advantage, and then we thought the run game would really get going as the game wore on. It was sort of uh, the, the passing game is going to loosen up the run game. That's what happened, and it's funny you mentioned that. You had only three three and outs the entire game, but two of them came on your first two series. Yeah. Then series number three was a chunk play possession. Uh, we've already seen a highlight already, but the, the TD drive features uh, a special. You had that little reverse flea flicker um, uh, to, to Isaac down the boundary. Yeah, um, that's a play we've run a lot of times. In fact, it's not even a special. It's just a play in it's our part offense. of your offense now, yeah. We, we run it so much. And um, the success rate has been great, but I thought Jaron just played an outstanding game and Keanu Hill made a great catch on, on a back shoulder throw that got mm -hmm. us started on that first drive. And, um, you know, like I said, I just, if I had any regret, it was just that we didn't attack uh, in that first or second series. And again, here is the play that, again, yeah. it's, just, it's just offensive football for BYU now, right? Yeah, yeah, we've been running that play for several years now and the uh, success rate's been really good. And then uh, using Miles Davis, as uh, we see Chris Brooks score the touchdown, but later in the game, uh, you began to use Miles Davis as, as more of a traditional fullback, or traditional tailback, beg yeah. your pardon. You'd had some, some maybe, maybe package plays for him for the first few games, but now you were kind of saying, we're going to have you be the, the primary back here. Yeah, so we, I had planned to use Miles more in the Oregon game, and we got so far behind that it just became a passing game to keep up. You know, we, we had to throw the ball to try to stay in the game. And... You know, Peeney's, uh, you know, in that situation, he's such a good pass protector and good receiver. We just stuck with Peeney and Chris. And, and uh, I felt bad that we didn't end up using Miles like we had planned in that game. And so we just carried that plan over to this week to get him going. And so it wasn't, it wasn't anything really that anybody did wrong or that it was not, wasn't anything specific for Wyoming. It was just that Miles deserved an opportunity. He didn't get it last week. And I just wanted to, you know, keep my word to him and give him a shot, a shot this week. So. Is it, um, is it hot hand approach moving forward, or do you have a new lead back for a bit, or how, how do you kind of look at yeah, that think, room right now? I think the hot hand thing does have some merit. I mean, we're going to play all three of those guys. They're, you'll see them all. It's not like, it's not like uh, you know, anybody's fired or anything like that. We're going to use them all, but it, it was a situation where Miles got hot, and it just felt like the right thing to just keep giving him the ball. And um, There were no long faces on the sideline from mm -hmm. anybody. You know, he, Everyone, I think, was happy for him, and maybe next game it's somebody else that gets it rolling, and... And, uh, you know, that's just how it is. What are some things Miles does well or does best, and how does he differ maybe from your other backs in that respect? Uh, he, he runs fast. I mean, he's, he's got speed, and he 
Uh, I thought he broke some tackles the other night that maybe have been missing a little bit and had some physical runs where he was running through arm tackles. And um, so that's, that's the biggest thing. He, he just seemed to give us a spark. And each back, uh, you've already mentioned, you know, Peeney has certain strengths. Uh, yeah. Chris has his own. They've each, I mean, they're kind of all, you've got three different backs in a way, don't you? A little bit? We do. I mean, all three of them, all three of them can do everything in the offense. But, yeah, there's, they're definitely different styles, and I think we can use all three of them. Okay. Uh, felt a lot like uh, the Baylor game in the first half uh, to me a little bit. Uh, low scoring, not a ton of possessions. Yeah. And then the other similarity was a big TD right before halftime. And even the TDs had similarities. Against Baylor, you had the uh, Chase Roberts toe tap on that sideline. Against Wyoming, it's Braden Cosper, and he's tight roping in the same sideline in the same end zone right before halftime. Yeah, I was really pleased with our two-minute offense so far this year. We've been good at, uh, it, you know, Finishing drives with, with managing the time and the situations down there. Jaron's done a great job, and our whole offense has. Speaking of wideouts, you didn't have uh, Romney and uh, Chase Roberts. I think was available. Was maybe played a little bit, but then left. Yeah, he played a little bit, and um, we just decided to hold him. I mean, he's he, you know we're we're some guys are being held back a little bit. Some guys are nicked up, and we're just being smart with. Our depth, we, we, felt we liked how the guys were playing, and we just decided to be smart with Chase. He's been playing a lot of snaps and getting kind of beat up. Okay, then you lose Puka in-game. Um, any, any word on, on him? I, I haven't heard anything new, um, so I, I don't really have anything to add. Okay. I'll, I'll let Kalani handle that. All right, then you get TDs, though, from Cosper. Uh, first career touchdown yeah. uh, for Braden a week after Cody had his first career touchdown, then Cody adds another one. And then, of course, the monster night for Keanu Hill. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's, the great thing is that room, there's a lot of guys in that wide receiver room that are going, doing things for you right now. Yeah, the, those, those three played well. Um, Cosper's been playing really good football for us. And I was glad to see him sort of get noticed. Um, and, yeah, we, you know, whoever's available, we'll just play with those guys. And, and I think the competition in that group has been good for everybody. It's made, made everybody better. And Fessy does a great job with making sure those guys know that uh, they've always got to be ready. Keanu had 160 receiving yards. I think under Kalani, that's the third most from any individual player in receiving yardage. Um, is he the kind of guy that, yeah, Monster Knight is in him at any time? Is he that kind of player? Yeah, I mean, he, I think pretty much any of those guys are capable of having a night like that and just happened to be Keanu's night, uh, and we needed it. And um, really, really proud of him, the, the spark he gave our team. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 first, the first big catch he made, that, that really got us going. I mean, we were, we were a little bit bogged down until that happened. And, you know, after you lose a game the week before and you go three and out twice, you start to feel a little tension in the stadium. You know, everybody's a little getting a little impatient. And we're talking the back shoulder catch. Yeah, the yeah. back shoulder catch. I mean, that, that, got, that got us rolling. And then from then on, we, we pretty much rolled the rest of the night. You talk about the two minute before halftime. You used a couple of you can't take them with you. You used two timeouts there uh, yeah. before halftime. Um, how were you on the procedural part of things Saturday with timeouts and how they were being used? Yeah, I mean, we used that's what they're for. I yeah. mean, to me, uh, one, in, one, in one instance, we just had a play call. We were about to snap it. We didn't love the play call once we saw that what the defense was in. So we decided to back out of it. Another one, we had a personnel, uh, just a personnel issue. Um, and, you know, that, those are going to happen some, sometimes, and that's why you have timeouts. And so I was, um, you know, I was not upset about that. It's, it's going to happen in a game. Was one of them on the direct snap to, uh, to Peeney? You were setting up for that or not? Yeah, that was, yeah. That was, uh, that was one where the, the defense wasn't what we wanted. Yeah. yeah. Okay.
Uh, break time as we step aside, reminding you to watch after further review tomorrow, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, David Nixon breaking down the game for you. When we come back, more with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick as we look at how BYU polished off the pokes on Saturday night. The coordinator's corner continues. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more after this. Hill goes to the right. Hall in the gun. And Hall boots it to the left. Throws for the end zone. It is caught for a touchdown by Braden Cusper right before halftime. Four seconds to go till the break. And the Cougs go on top on the comeback by Cusper just inside the pylon. We are back on the coordinator's corner visiting with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. Cougs now 3-1 on the season, defeating Wyoming 38-24 Saturday night. Cougs home to Utah State this Thursday. Well, uh, at Oregon, uh, Ducks kind of took control of that game by scoring touchdowns on their final possession first half, first possession second half. That's what BYU did Saturday night. Yeah. Great drive after, uh, uh, to end the first half, and the defense gets you the ball back, which is the first part of the equation, and you score coming out of the locker room, basically. Yeah, and that's a that's a real key. Uh, I don't know if it's a stat or just I, I like pump middle eight. Middle eight, yeah. yeah. It's, that's something that uh, has a big impact on winning games, and we, we talk about it a lot. And, and I thought that was one of the keys to the game was finishing with that touchdown before half, and then scoring on our first possession in the third quarter. It's interesting that you're starting every game on offense because you're losing coin tosses right now. <laughs> Everyone's deferring to you, and so you're always having to defend that first offensive possession from the second half. Uh, but it did turn around where the defense got the ball back for you and then you responded. Yeah, and uh, I was just, this was a really good drive. That, that drive, start that third quarter was, I thought, one that really put the pressure on them to keep up with us. And once you got the two score lead to 21 10, the lead never dipped below 11. It kind of 11 18, 11 18. Uh, then the ground game got going, and then it became uh, a possession time thing. Wyoming loves to have the football, and you had more possession time on the night. Then it was kind of like you began to kind of grind the game out a little bit. Yeah, and that, it was fun to – first of all, that's exactly what I thought would happen. I thought if, if we could get up on them, the run game's going to open up, and then we can, you know, run some clock and eat, eat it up. And I thought it might be a low possession game because they are a team that tries to keep mm -hmm. the ball away from people. And – I think they were even more deliberate about it with us. Uh, they were using the whole play clock, and uh, first half we barely felt like we barely had the ball. Yeah. Um, and then, but once we got up on them, they had to go a little faster, and that opened the game up in terms of uh, you know us being able to get the ball back and then get our run game going. And we kind of had it all going there in that second half where they were they were trying to play keep up, you know, catch up to us, and, and that's not really their style of play. But as well as the ground game was going, uh, Jaron was slinging it. It was yeah. one of his best throwing games ever. Yeah, that's about as well as you'll see a quarterback play. I mean, he had a, just a few mistakes that I had nitpicked, uh, you know, a little bit on the film and talked with, talked with him about those last night. Um, but he, he played an outstanding game. And, and um, he's, he's just playing really good football right now. And, and uh, his decision-making, I think the thing that impresses me the most is how well he takes care of the football. And... Um, you know, every week in college football, you just see turnovers, how turnovers just turn games mm -hmm. for the other team, and Jaron just doesn't give it away. One interception on the season, which is only it's BYU's only giveaway, no fumbles lost this year, by the way, through four games, which is another thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, one turnover on the season, one giveaway, and it came in that first game. 
He's been remarkable. I, I read someone, a national writer, did a, a recap of the top like 15 or 16 quarterback performances, and they left out, left out Jaron Hall somehow. How do you leave out that night? Uh, it was a tremendous night, and and on the season, I did some cherry picking here to try and come up with a cool stat combination, and and so I, my, my my limits were this: I went 100 completions, 100 or more completions, a thousand or more pass yards, a 150 plus pass efficiency, 70 plus percent completion, and then nine plus touchdown passes with one or zero picks. He's the only guy with that stat with that stat set. But those are not that's not a huge cherry pick. Those are really good numbers, and he's yeah. got them all. Yeah, I've said this before. I wouldn't trade him for anyone. I think he's playing as well as any quarterback in the country. And, um, you know, I don't know if the media people notice, but I, I know the NFL scouts are noticing how he's playing. Um, you know, I, and I expect him to keep getting better because we're, we're getting healthier and we're sort of just hitting our stride right now. I think offensively we're starting to find out a lot about our team. And not a surprise, but you picked him as your offensive player of the game from Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, those numbers are... Pretty impressive, very efficient, and again, the, the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over just it just uh, makes it so other teams have to earn every point they get against us. No free possessions for the opponents. Yeah. Uh, great balanced game. You talked about how the ground game got going. Uh, you had 300 more passing, uh, 150 or more rushing, and, and yards are just yards. It's all about points. But under Kalani, uh, BYU's never lost a game when you go to 300, 150, uh, and have that going at the same time. 14-0. Yeah, those are, you know, those are the, the part that I liked the best was it was 10 yards per completion. That's sort of a, that's a number we really like. And then six yards per carry. I mean, you're not going to lose if you hit those numbers and have zero turnovers. Do you like a yards per attempt number as well? Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of passing. Sorry, it was yards per attempt. I meant to say that. It, okay. it was 10 yards per attempt yeah. in the game. And that's, that's the number. That's, because anything, that's anything above eight and you're, you're yeah. laughing, I think. But 10's, a, yeah, 10, it's almost unbeatable. 10 per attempt is a really good number. And yeah. uh, that's what we hit. Okay. So there's BYU and how it got it done against Wyoming. You saw the change from week to week and how things picked up for the Cougs. Uh, the two biggest plays of the second half by yardage were a 70-yard run and a 68-yard pass. Now let's first talk about the 70-yard run. That was Miles Davis down the sideline. Yeah, it was nice to see that. You know, we haven't had any, we haven't had a lot of long runs so far this year. I think Chris had a 50-something in yarder in the first game. 52, I think. Yeah, and then yep. it's been tough sledding. I don't know if you noticed, but. Um, um, Iowa State, I think they were like two yards of carry against Baylor Saturday, and uh, Washington State couldn't run the ball at all against Oregon. Right. We, we just played two really good run Rush defenses. defenses yeah. and, and we're not making excuses, but that was a tough stretch there playing those defenses. And uh, so it was, it was just nice to see a back get into the open field and go. Search some, I searched some databases on this, and, and we had the 75-yard Puka fly sweep, which is a run in game one. It's the first year in BYU football history where two different backs have runs of 70 yards or longer in the same season. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's a good number. Um, and now the 68-yard touchdown catch, which is the other big play by yardage. Um, it, was, it was a beautiful throw. Beautiful throw yeah. and a lot of tenacity from, uh, from Keanu to get in the end zone. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, Jaron, a big part of the offseason was working on the deep ball and felt like we have the receivers to stretch the field. And... Um, so we, you know, that's something that was big emphasis in the offseason, and that was a, a perfect throw. Great, yeah. great read, too, that this coverage is the only snap of the whole game that they played this coverage. And so that safety you see there on the hash mark, mm -hmm. we were trying to throw the ball to Cosper to convert the third and six, but that safety jumped Cosper, and if that happens, you, that's the trigger to throw it over his head. And um, Jaron was right on it, and it was impressive, too, because it just being the only play in the whole game where they showed us that coverage. And... Um, so I was, I was proud of him for 
noticing that and being ready to pull the trigger. Balls in the air almost 65 yards. We got used to seeing those um, those Zach Wilson clips of you know throwing from a hash to a pylon. This was hash to the numbers. This is a long throw yeah. in the air, long time right on the money. Yeah, it was a heck of a throw, and um, you know we need to keep doing it. We get, that's 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 who we are. Is we want to be a team that throws the ball down the field. Let's get back to the uh, the, the the turnover note. Um, third game in four with zero giveaways in the Sitake era. 11 and 0 at home and 24 and 2 overall when you just don't give it up or give it away. And then the, uh, the even or positive turnover margin thing, too. Now, Wyoming didn't have any take or giveaways, but it was even. And you're 25-2 and two at home when you're just even or positive in the margin. Yeah, taking care of the football is number one. That's everything. That's the most important stat in football besides the final score. I mean, it, 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 the, so it's a huge emphasis in what we do. It's a huge emphasis in how we game plan, how we practice. Everything is take care of the football. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you possess that ball, you represent our whole program, all of our fans, all of Cougar Nation. It's a big responsibility to have the ball in your hands. A few other numbers notes. 19-0 and at home under Kalani now when you score 30 or more. That's been an unbeatable number at home. 15-0 and at home when you get the pass efficiency to 150 or better. 13-1 and at home when you get to 50% or better on third downs, and you were a good third down team on Saturday night. Too. Yeah, I was, that's another area that I was really happy with was third down. We were 7 out of 13 and a couple of the ones we didn't make, we were playing, intentionally playing for the fourth down. Knowing it was going to be two downs together. And yeah. one of the ones we didn't convert, uh, I know I had some fans mad at me about one. We ran the ball once on third and six. It was actually an RPO. And it was one of the only mistakes Jaron made the whole night. He had, he had two wide open receivers on the RPO, and he didn't throw it for a first down. And we handed it off. And uh, even if, if we just would have made two yards, we were going to go for it on fourth, and we ended up only making one yard. And so I got some grief from a few people about why, why I took the ball out of Jaron's hands on third and six. But I actually was trying to put it in his hands on that play, mm. and it, it just didn't go as planned. But um, we had a, I thought we had a good plan for third down, and the guys executed it. Sometimes it's supposed to be a pull, and you just... Yeah, yeah, and it's just one of those... I mean, again, he made very few mistakes right. tonight. And that just it's a nitpick, to, like you that said. That happened right? to be one of them, and then, yeah. then uh, you know... That's okay, though. That's part of the job. Uh, last number of note before the break. Uh, this is a tough in-game one, but afterwards you look back on it. 23-1 uh, and one at home with a positive average starting field position. And that flipped around in your favor, too, on Saturday night. Lots of positive trends. All right, uh, time begin for a break. When we come back, I'll look ahead to BYU and Utah State with Coach Roderick. But as we break, we remind you that for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time, BYU TV, and BYU Radio. You are in the Coordinator's Corner. Brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. More with Coach Roderick after this. Stay with us. Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV is brought to you by JCW's, the Burger Boys. Built Bar, fuel the journey. And by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys, wrapping up with BYU offensive coordinator and QB coach Aaron Roderick. This Thursday, BYU and Utah State coming off a late Saturday night. Uh, coach, how do you practice plan it with a game 72 hours from now? It's a challenge for sure. I and mean, today's, it's already Wednesday to us, you know, so we're, we are, um, we're trying to heal up from a physical game the other night, but also be ready to play really soon. And so we have to find that balance of getting in the right amount of work, but also letting our guys recover. Aggie struggling at one and three right now. Uh, what have you seen from their defense uh, through video of their first four games? They play really hard. They create a lot of chaos. It's a, it's a uh, team that really gets after it. Um, 
and they gave us they gave us a heck of a game last year, and I expect to get their very very best. I know, uh, you know, I know what they're capable of. They haven't, probably haven't had the season they wanted to so far, but I think they're a lot better than their record shows. Uh, back to your wide receiver personnel to wrap things up. Uh, you mentioned Chase Roberts being held up for much of the game this past week, but you'll expect to have him against Utah State. Yeah, and he could have played tonight. He was just he's just a little bit banged up. You know, with with Gunner and Puka being out, he played so many snaps against Baylor and o Oregon. Those were very physical games. He just got a little bit beat up. He's fine. Uh, nothing. He he'll he'll be fine. He's that, he's gonna play. And then the weekly Gunner Puka question. Um, I expect Gunner to play. I, I, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself on that, and um, but I'm, I'm expecting to have him this time and uh, ho hoping to have him. And I don't know about Puka. Okay, we'll wait and see on Puka, but uh, the news hopefully gets better as the season goes along uh, with your wide receivers. But in the meantime, uh, the cliche being next man up is kind of proven true to you, and the guys are responding, so that's nice. All right, Coach, thanks. We'll see you back here next week. Good to be here. All right, that is Aaron Roderick. That'll do it for Coordinator's Corner, our Week 5 edition. For Coaches Tuiaki and Roderick, my name is Greg Grubel. Thanking you for tuning in and saying we'll see you next week. Go Cougs!